Welcome. What is up? Welcome back to the Visionary Podcast. I'm so excited to have you here with us today for our first official podcast after the intro. And uh, today we're going to be talking over a very crucial topic inside of culture. And this is the first series we're going to be going into. That's the goal for this whole thing is to have a series and have topics inside of that. And this first series is going to be based on culture and things that I've feel have affected culture, things that we see affecting and moving inside of this world and that are affecting this generation. And so with that, one issue that I felt was of most importance, racial injustice, and all the issues that we've been seeing over the past year and a half that have been brought to the forefront, to whereas these issues have been going on for so many more years than people like me ever really noticed. And so that is the reason for this, and that is the reason for why I feel that this needed to be first, because it's something that, yes, is shaping culture, but it's an issue, and it's something that needs to be fixed, and it's something that is affecting so many lives, and that uh, has been affecting so many lives for a very long time. So without further ado, I want to welcome you to the guests that we have today, um, two people that I know are very experienced in this area and two people that also know the right words to say and are willing to encourage you, willing to talk on this topic, talk from their own experiences and also talk from other people's experiences that they've learned from. So with that being said, I want to welcome you guys to Tega and Hannah. Hey. Uh, hey, What's up? So uh, let's go ahead and jump right into this introduction. Tega, let's start off with you. Go ahead and give us a little bit about yourself, what you do, the things you have going on. And then also at the end, the one thing that we always ask of every guest is the best advice that you've ever gotten. So if you want to go ahead, it's all yours. For sure. Well, first of all, thanks for having me. This of is course. so cool. I love it. So my name is Tega, but my full name, if you guys want to know my whole government, <laughs> is Ogunatega Nez Fafa, and it is very Nigerian. So if you didn't know, I'm Nigerian-American. Um, as far as life is concerned, I just graduated from undergrad last May. So in the midst of the pandemic, um, mm -hmm. and now we're here. I'm in grad school in seminary, and I'm about a year in now, which is wild to think about. But yeah, just in the midst of being a woman in her early 20s and just navigating all the fun stuff that comes with all of that. Oh, yeah. But I would say best advice that I've ever received. I've received tons of good advice. But the first thing that came to mind is success is more detrimental than failure. Mm. And I think that comes in the avenues of I'm a three on the Enneagram. So success is almost a platform that I've, a false platform that I've kind of built myself and my life on and so in understanding that the more that i strive towards success the more that i strive towards this peak the more i understand that it's it's more hurtful to me it grows pride it grows ego rather than sitting in the place of knowing that my failures are actually more important and allowing myself to fail exposing myself to failure and understanding that there's so much more to be learned from there rather than just simply like releasing and re receiving accolades so yeah that's my best advice totally get that i'm a three on the enneagram also 
So I can relate to that in a lot of ways, for sure. That's something that I wish I would have heard in high school. <laughs> but uh, Hannah, what about you? Yeah, um, similar season of Black to Tega, uh, a little bit less chaotic, I would say. <laughs> um, I'm not in seminary, um, but we did graduate at the same time, um, and we are similar in that we're still, we're both in that adulthood stage, just figuring and navigating what life looks like. Just, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I'm fully independent. I don't. I live by myself, like actually in the state by myself. And so the Lord's taken me through a lot of different things last year. And I'm in a very different place um, location-wise, every area of my life, actually. So just trying to figure out who Hannah is right now and what that looks like and who I want to be, who I've been, and what I want to carry with me and what I want to leave behind. And uh, the best uh, it's not even necessarily piece of advice I've been given, but I have heard um, is passivity and humility often wear the same coat. Mm. And that's actually, that quote actually ties into the topic today um, yeah. that I can dive deeper into, but it's something I think is that's very awakening, um, that quote specifically. I like that a lot. Wow. I can definitely relate to where you're at when you're talking about trying to figure out who you are and all these things being different than a year ago and because that's that's really where I was when I created this ministry you know when God gave me this call I, I wasn't sure what I was doing and I wasn't sure who Seth was and I'm still figuring that out I think that's a never-ending process for sure growing in yourself and finding different yeah. areas that you're that you excel in and finding different areas that you love and having new passions and things like that that definitely it kind of correlates to a saying that i heard talking about 18 to 24 is where everything falls apart and you figure out who you really are and i definitely think you know some people it may not completely fall apart your my, your life you might not go through very much but in those years, you're definitely going to figure out, okay, like, this is what I love to do. This is where my passion's at. This is who I want to be. What do I need to do to get to where I want to be? So, right. honestly, that's what this podcast is for. No doubt about it. Giving the listener that person that doesn't know where they want to go or what they feel God has called them to. This is for them, for them to be able to listen in and be like, okay, I, I can relate to them on this area. If I want to go into a certain area, maybe we have a podcast on it eventually. Maybe you DM us and we make a podcast because you want to hear about it. So uh, I definitely, I think that that's really cool to hear that you're in that stage because most people in that stage think they're alone and think that nobody has felt what they're feeling. And so that's a big encouragement to someone who might be in that place listening, knowing that you're not alone and that there are resources for you just like what we have here. So um, before yeah. really diving in in this area, I do want to preface a little bit on why we're talking about this and what I want this to be. Because if I don't voice that, I feel like this might get taken wrong. You might not approach this podcast with the right mindset. And so what I really want this to be is I want it to be a fire starter in a way. I want it to be something that sparks in your mind and it really sparks the thoughts of you approaching this with openness and the want to grow, the want to be better. 
you know, because I didn't realize some of the things that I've done in my life in the past just from growing up and not being educated in this area, the ways that I could have hurt some people and the ways that I could have held myself back from meeting people that maybe God wanted me to meet, but because of stereotypes, because of my own thoughts, I was being ignorant and I was being naive to those things. So that's really what I want this to be about is I want you to be able to listen and grow, but also I want this to be an encouragement for you to take this conversation and have a conversation with someone else about this exact same thing and see where you stand on it. Help this to mold you and become a better person inside of it. So that's kind of where I want this to go. That's why I hope you're here is to grow. And so to get this started, I really want to ask first about culture and looking at how this has changed our culture and how this has affected humanity in general. We're almost a year out from George Floyd's death. The trial right now is going on. And um, I want to ask, what have you seen? How did that affect culture? And what steps do you feel we have taken to better it? And also, what areas do you feel we need to get better in? What What do you guys think about that? How do you all feel about that? Yeah. So just in the midst of life right now, and even being in the midst of the Derek Chauvin trial, um, I would say that the whole George Floyd case did a lot of exposing, hmm. if anything, Yeah. of being in the time of COVID when people were forced to be at home, they were then forced to see the news and see the atrocity of what happened to George Floyd. The thing about it is that George Floyd's case is not new. Mm. It's not new in the aspect that this is something that has been happening for centuries, for decades. Um, this is just one of the first times and few times that this was caught on camera and that there were many witnesses to see this. Mm. And so in the way that I think that things went forward as a culture is that we are now having to face all together this country's history i don't think there's anyone who can hide and say now that like i'm not fully aware of there's being some level of atrocity towards people of color in this country mm -hmm. i think we can't hide behind that now because we have things like george floyd that is exposed that this country has a broken system that we finally need to talk about yeah. I think in ways that we've gone backwards is that we have now seen that there are certain people who have certain grips on what they thought this country's history was. Mm -hmm. And by country's history, I'm talking about not only slavery, but I'm talking about the atrocities that have happened to um, indigenous peoples. I'm talking about the atrocities that have happened to Asian Americans and Hispanic Americans and Latino Americans and all of these things that have kind of culminated to what the United States of America has been. Mm -hmm. um, and so we now sit in a place of people do not want to see an unbeautified image. And so the image of America that they have in their heads is the image that will remain no matter how many conversations ensue. Yeah people will see what they want to see and so i think in that ways we have either taken steps back slash stayed where we are mm. of we sit on both sides of those coins and and it's caused our culture to be super polarized yeah mm -hmm. hannah you got any thoughts on that 
Um, yeah, it's one thing I think that I noticed was, well, going off of what Tega said of it being exposing was that it also exposed what I think is the true, what was or and is the true character of people when it comes to their thoughts towards others and just how teachable or unteachable they were willing to be. Yeah. Um, in my life, I noticed people through different conversations where they either took up the stance of humility and said, okay, you know, for whatever reason, this is what it took for me to see this or that instance is what it took. So that's something that in conversations like this, I always encourage us to not be afraid or like try to sugarcoat things that happen um, yeah. out of our own discomfort of what the reality of it is because we don't want to look whatever it is in the face. So I think in a lot of ways, what happened last year over and over again past George Floyd was divinely like spiritual in my eyes i mean 2020 was prophesied to be the year of sight for a long time and no one really knew what that meant and then you saw like tega was saying of people that were forced to they were already like you know glued to their phones but now what they were forced to see they wanted to get on their phones they only had kind of one option of what to look at yeah. and they couldn't run away from that anymore and so yeah i just think in a lot of ways people's character was exposed of what they were which route they were willing to go because now it's not like blatant ignorance, ignorance anymore. It's chosen ignorance where they're actually saying, no, I know, I know this, but I'm actually still choosing to believe this. Yeah. And, you know, I think that it is sad that it took something like a video to open the eyes of people. But also, I don't want to bash someone who is trying to do better now. Right. It is sad that it took something like that. It really is. But also, at least it's being used for the good, and it's not something that we're using to create more separation or create hatred. Instead, creating an environment of an opportunity for us to better educate other people now. For someone who is listening, and it took something like the George Floyd incident, I want to encourage you, and tell you that at least you're on the right track now. And uh, we want to be able to help you and push this culture forward and cause a movement that does bring about this equality. That's something that I've noticed in culture. And I actually, I heard it in an interview between Emmanuel Acho and Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey brought up a poem. I don't remember exactly what it said, but it went along the lines of talking about how our goal in America should be to create who we say we are, the country of equal opportunity. And so inside of that, I think our main goal should be to come together, push everyone together as one, come together as one so that we can all feel like we're not held back at all, that there is nothing in our way that we cannot control. And I think once we get there, we will then have that opportunity. No one will feel held back. No one will feel like because of something they cannot control, they did not get what they deserve. And so uh, jumping into another question, uh, I want to ask you guys strictly for the listener at home and also for myself to learn from both of y'all, what things have you done 
inside of your own life to better yourself in this area, to better educate yourself on how you can help others and how you can become a better person and more encouraging? Yeah, I would say I, for whatever reason, started what you could say, I guess, is the race conversation with my family. Just started asking my parents questions about how they felt about this how they felt it was I think a lot of it was around stereotypes and different people and just a lot of stuff that I know Seth like you've probably noticed as well like in white households that'll be said that's not true yeah stereotypes that we come up with that are just don't actually make sense and it kind of just went from there um my journey's been interesting because I started that, but then I started dating a black guy in high school after that, not having any black girlfriends. And this is something that I'll also say as probably my biggest teachable moment is the relationships that I've had with black females has been the most life-changing things that I've had because you cannot understand a people group or a culture if you only know one gender. Yeah. Because I will say that, especially in America, the black females experience is very different in a lot of ways from black males. And a lot of people don't realize that. I would say that was probably when I started learning the most is when I developed those friendships. And some of the misconceptions is I had a lot of, I would have quite a few people make the remark that I developed friendships with. And this also goes for anyone that wasn't white. Uh, Because I also want to include like Asians in that as well too. But um, they thought that it was simply because of skin color. And I was like, they, there's a difference in being intentional because I also think that there are people intentionally avoid people. You can also intentionally, like the same way that I, I made it, I just made a point at some point in my life over the past few years that I told myself, if I'm going to intentionally seek out a white female to be friends with, why would I not do the same with someone else? Yeah. Um, and because there's, there's not a, there's a misconception that every single person, you know, that you meet, you are going to get along with, you know, like not all black people are the same. Yeah. So like Tega is one of my, she is one of my best friends and she's my only best friend that is black. I don't mm-hmm. have like, you know, 10. So I think a point I could point out is prayer. I started praying for a long time, like, Lord, put me around people that look like you. Um, Mm. that I can learn from and saying look like you opens the door for a lot of different people because everyone is made in the image of God. And so suddenly, like very naturally without me necessarily trying, I did find myself around a pretty diverse, like I just kept, I kept meeting people that didn't look like me Mm. and using that quote of always trying to be teachable is I would ask, um, I mean, what I thought were innocent questions, but I just tried to listen a lot. Like, I think that's one thing that people don't realize is that if you hang around people, like no matter who they are, black, white, you know, Asian, whoever, and really just listen and like watch and observe and take up a posture of humility and one of learning, like you will learn a lot of the answers to your questions. And then when you have questions and people like, understand you and that you're seeking to learn i've never had a bad experience in asking a question and someone rejecting what i'm saying yeah or what i'm asking because i think taking up the posture of wanting to listen more than wanting to get information just so you're not you're not then labeled racist but you're actually wanting to understand the person like 
I want to understand Tega's experience because her experience is unique. Mm. It is not the same as someone else's on the street yeah. or in another, like every single, that's another thing is, you know, not every black person in America's experience is the same because Tega grew up as a Nigerian American. So her experience, you know, in her household and also Tega, I, I'm not trying to speak for you. So yeah. um, <laughs> this is just what I've learned as being as her friends. Um, I've learned like her experience is actually different in a lot of ways from some of my friends that their parents are not from another country. Like they grew up in the U.S. Their grandparents grew up here. And so I think also taking on that mindset of like, okay, not every person I talk to is going to say the same thing. You know, just because this person in my class has experienced this doesn't necessarily mean that that black male or female over there has also experienced that. Yeah. And, but there are a lot of things and I I mean, Tega can obviously speak more to this in every way that I can't. They, they do experience the same thing because they're still seen as Black in America. My biggest encouragement people is just be humble and don't mistake humility as passivity. There's a difference between the two and being teachable mm-hmm. and seeking people out the way that Jesus did to know them, not just to get information from them. Mm. Yeah. Um, because I think that was something I saw last year is a lot of people suddenly, you know, sought people out just so they could get their answers, but not so they could actually know the person. And that is what broke wow. my heart the most is because I was having my black friends tell me like, you know, I'm, I'm grieved because these people don't really want to know me. They just want to know the answers that I can give them. So, you know, like they're not seen as ignorant, racist, you know, whatever. Um, yeah. Uh-huh. So. I would say on top of that, I think one of the biggest issues I've come to face is that people assume that because I'm a black woman and to broaden that scope, because I'm a person of color, I need to forego the learning process because white people are the only people who need to learn, Mm. which is not true. I think that everyone has something and has the responsibility to learn in this entirety of speaking of racial injustice. I think that I don't suddenly become an expert because I'm a black woman. Yeah. I think anything, we are all just yeah. constantly on the track of learning and improving and growing more and understanding one another. And so I think I have to start there. Two, I'd say for ways that I've walked through all of this is I think that oftentimes people confuse their circles and they actually have squares. As in, they only have a box of people who look like them, talk like them, think like them. And they say, this is my circle. Mm -hmm. They've confined themselves to a square of similarities and nothing grows from that. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. an understanding that in order to have a circle, it it must be a, a, a figure that is united on all sides. And it must include people who don't look like me, don't talk like me, and have completely different experiences from me. Yeah. And so I think that if you were to look at the group of people that you are influenced by, hang around, learn from, they all look like you and all, if you guys can all agree on everything all at the same time, there's an issue. Mm. And if you aren't challenged by that, if you aren't convicted that my circle, as Hannah was saying, does not look like heaven, there's an issue. Yeah. And so I think being challenged of how do I me myself take a put myself in spaces where i can learn like the guy i'm dating is is part asian and so 
I can't sit there and say, oh yeah, like I'm just dating this guy. I have to actually like learn more about his experiences, his mom's experiences, mm-hmm. and more so like what it, the Asian American experience, not as a collective, but on as a collective and on an individual basis in America. What does that look like? That takes me reading books. That takes listening to podcasts. That takes me having the want to learn the person in front of me. Mm. I think ultimately it all comes down to desire. Yeah, I could give all the advice in the world of things that I've done to learn more about how I can be influential in my circles when it comes to racial injustice. But I have to have the heart desire to learn the child of God right in front of me. If I don't Mm. view the person in front of me as made in the image of God, why should I care about them? Wow. And I think that that's what it comes down to. If you don't have the desire to learn about the person in front of you, whether it be the homeless person, whether it be the person of another culture or another race, you don't have the desire to learn about them. I would then challenge that perhaps you've forgotten that they are also made in the image of God. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I I would just end that and just saying that it ultimately comes to desire. And once I have the desire to love someone, I have to want to learn about them. Yeah. I think that the last thing I'll say is that Jesus like loved people so well because he learned about them, because he was all knowing, because he knew the things they struggled with, the things that hurt them, the things that challenged them. He knew how to accurately love them. Love isn't this blanket statement that we throw over all people of if I'm nice to you, that means I love you. Love mm-hmm. requires you to listen, to take time, to understand, and so much more. And so it, it really is a heart thing when it comes down to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And kind of speaking from my own perspective, especially in that area of, you know, finding my circle and finding my people, when I finally recognized inside of myself that there was some things that I needed to fix in my own life. It, it was something for me, like, it was things that I never would have noticed if I didn't think deeper into it. I've had black friends for my entire life. I've had Asian friends for my entire life, Mexican friends, you name it, I've had it. I went to a high school of almost 4,000 students. So whenever it came down to it, and I was finally kind of, Looking back at my own life, looking at the influences I had, I had to put forward the effort to better myself. And one of the first things that I feel I kind of did naturally, but that honestly it should have been the first thing that came to mind that I needed to do was look at my circle. Look at who was influencing me and also who I could go to to have conversations because being completely honest, it probably wasn't but a year and a half ago that I took the steps of having the tough conversations with other people of how can I be better. Before then, it was I need to get these things out of my life that I've been doing that are wrong. It was never looking for more. It was whenever I noticed it, I was fixing it. I want to kind of go off of that and talk about Sunday morning. Sunday morning is the most segregated time of any week. And I've heard some people say that it's not a bad thing. And I hear that argument. And in some ways, I can agree with them. 
But there's other ways that that separation, I feel, is not okay. And I wanted to ask y'all, where do you stand on that? And how do you feel about it? Yeah, I love this question. <laughs> um, gosh. Sunday morning has become a place that for many has become too comfortable. Yeah. Uh And Sunday morning has become a space that has been not only too comfortable, but it's, it's supposed to be a place of safety, but I think safety and comfort have been confused for one another. That's good. And so when you go to, and this quote is basically talking about the different variations of church. You know, they have what you call the black church, the white Mm -hmm. church, um, and then everything else in between. Yeah. And this has gone from something of like the reason why all of these other churches outside of white churches were started is because they didn't have a space in the white church. And so Mm. they created their own space. Yeah. However, we've gotten to a point now where church is supposed to be a place where you are comfortable to lay down your, where you're, where you're safe to lay down your burdens, where you're safe to commune with other people, where you're safe to release the things that have troubled you and know that you have a community to stand by you and with you. Mm-hmm. However, we've now taken church as a place where I need to be comfortable, where I need to be surrounded by people who have the same experience as me so that we can commune together. Yeah. And so I think Sunday being a segregated space is hard because you walk into churches where, and I've, I've seen this time and time again, and it's even present in the church that I currently work at, but you have spaces that are predominantly white. You have black people and other people of color step in, but it's almost as if they have to assimilate to be accepted in church. Mm-hmm. And by that, of they have to fit the quote unquote white culture in order to be accepted in this church, rather than how can we create a church space where one who's had a quote-unquote black church experience that is more stereotypically Pentecostal and more gospel, Mm -hmm. how can that also fit in the experience of what the quote-unquote white church is, which oftentimes can be more stereotypical Baptist, Methodist, and fit in that space? Yeah. So I think the issue is that oftentimes I've seen people of color go into these predominantly white churches with the hopes of like, we should all be able to commune together. But those voices are used only as a diversity token and not as how can we include them and how can this be inclusive? How -hmm. can we take their experiences? How can we make them feel safe in my space rather than holding on to the comfort level that I have? Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot. Hannah, you have any thoughts on that? Um, Yeah, I have one. I... Second, what Tega said as well. I mean, it was frustrating for me being on the end of um, a part of a predominantly white church and having so many friends that went to my church frustrated that they were in a position where they felt like they did have to shift who they were in order to feel like they could get the communion that I was getting from people in the church. Mm. Um, and so I, that's just personal experience. Like I can attest, like I can attest that. Um, but yeah, I think with Sundays, another um, problem with it is that one, it did start out that way. Like take a set of black people were not allowed in white churches. And so they did create their own space. Um, mm-hmm. But then over time, 
for white people, we cut ourselves off from learning the Black experience in America because we never have communed together on Sundays in the way that I believe that we're supposed to. So we have not, we're not living day to day. Like it's not natural to have conversations and be knowledgeable about people's lives in the way that we should be because the foundations of our faith are the same but divided. Yeah, and I completely agree with that. No doubt about it. I mean, there's there's really nothing else to say on that. I think y'all hit that on the head for sure of how it started, why it is, where it's at. And I want to ask this question, and if you don't have an answer, I hope that eventually we can find one together. But how do you feel that we could fix that? I don't have an answer, but I have a response. Mm. An, amp- an answer would say that this is definite of this is the way I think things should do it. Me giving yeah. a response is take his opinion. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that it starts with you could have two black people in your congregation. Mm-hmm. It could be like 99.9% white. Yeah. And you can have two black people in your congregation. The difference in the change maker is are those people being heard? Do those people be feel safe to be their full self? And are you allowing them space to grow? Mm. And I think that that is the filter that I believe that churches should go into and go through. Of yeah. If I am asking a person of color, like if a person of color is in my congregation, do they have to be 20% of their self? Because church should be the last place where someone has to be 20% of their self. That's so true. The world and culture and social media has already told us that like, you need to be this box version of yourself. And that's what is deemed as acceptable. Mm-hmm. And so when the Lord yeah. says, come as you are, are we creating places and spaces in church where people can truly come as they are and not be rebuked or shunned or turned away when we see their full self? Because the church should be able to handle quote unquote ugly on all sides yeah right and so i think that we before we start thinking of how can we bring more diversity into our church and i think i hear a lot of churches ask that question the first question should really be how can we with what we already have make our church more inclusive yeah because i promise you that there are already congregations that have people of color the few that may be there already there and those people are thinking about leaving and going to another church because the church they're already at does not care about Mm. Hannah what do you think yeah I agree with that of I also very take a like response that I don't have an answer I have a response (laughs) yeah uh I I definitely Um, think that's the best way to answer that she made me laugh with that (laughs) I'm a Christian Um, oh my gosh um Yes, I would say I, my own experience, I have seen in a few churches, not naming names of churches, where there was a misunderstanding of what it looked like to water the seeds and seeds being people that were already in your church, but instead look outward and approach it more from like a numbers perspective. Mm-hmm. And I think I saw this last year, Tega, you might have as well, of where It was like, oh, we have a problem now. And so our response is, let's ask the people that we now see in our church when they're just saying, why didn't you see me before this? Like, 
why are you only seeing me when you have something that you can get from me? That's what I saw uh, that my friends experienced. And I think that that's a common thing. I mean, I've seen that in a few churches of where, you know, you have two people in an all white, two black people in an all white church. If you want to change the church culture, give those people a seat at the table and don't control what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Let them be them. Let them bring their full self to the table. Like if you ask them to make something or say something or do something, you know, like let them do it in the same bandwidth that you would let a white person do that. Like I, as a white person, cannot ask Sega to, for example, speak on race, but then be like, well, all right, let me tell you what to say. And I think that's a mistake that I, because I've, I've had the blessing, I think, of being around a lot of mega church environments. I've been in them, but not worked for them. And so I've been able to have an eye in and an ear in without bearing the brunt of working for them, I guess. So I've been able to see how things are handled, how things are talked about, how people behind the scenes, how they approach things. And I would say that's one of the biggest errors that I've seen is people do not address who is already in their congregation, but instead when something happens, they look to those people as the problem solvers mm-hmm. rather than when it's not their job to fix our mess ups. Yeah. And I think that's something that, yeah, that's probably the most consistent thing that I've seen. I do think there's a way to fix it. And I think the best place to start is by giving the people that are dealing with the oppression a seat and a microphone without giving them a script. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. And I completely agree with your response, Tega. It's different for every person. It's different for every church. I definitely think if there is somebody out there listening that's trying to broaden their spectrum in the area of, I have a youth group and it's predominantly white, or I have a youth group and it's predominantly black, or I have a church and it's predominantly Hispanic. If you want to become more diverse, think about the things that you host. Think about the things that you do. And that's something that I've noticed for sure is that that's kind of how we could have created that separation. Is I'm doing things that only white people would like. Therefore, my church is going to be predominantly white. That's definitely something that I've found that I've seen. And I kind of want to segue off of this into asking the same situation for the culture we're in. How do you feel in the things that you've seen, in the issues in our culture, in the divide that we've found ourselves in? What do you think it's going to take in your response, not the answer, to how can we better be in union and come together and fix these issues? As, As we mentioned before, Blacks have to take the step. Hispanics have to take the step. White people have to take the step. Everyone has to be willing to unify and come together as one for something like this to happen. But what do you think can bring this world to a place of equality and a place of where there isn't judgment based on color or based on where you come from? I would say from a culture standpoint, we cannot figure out what we can do if we don't know what we have Mm. and so if we haven't taken inventory of the privilege or 
the opportunities or the country's history or all of these things, we won't know where to move as a culture. Mm-hmm. And so I think, and I've had some of these conversations with my white friends where I'm like, explain like, what, what is privilege? And, mm-hmm. and what, what does privilege look like on you versus how it affects me? Yeah. And being a black woman in itself, black women are off, not even oftentimes statistically on the bottom of the totem pole when it comes to everything. And understanding what does that look like? What does it look like for me in where I am as a black woman to to do things and to advance in culture versus what it looks like for a white male to advance in culture? Those things look very different. So I think yeah. first discussing where where each person is will help in culture but i think the heart posture of listening to understand versus listening to respond is like crucial as a culture like we are just not we've gotten better we've gotten a lot let me let me say that for the vast majority of what i see we've gotten better but there's still a lot of people just not listening to one another Mm -hmm. um and i say that on the forefront of like white people and when i say white people because i know someone's gonna be like not all yes i very much understand not all (laughs) i'm a very specific group of people um but not listening to people of color when they say that their experience is different from what a white person may have experienced yeah what does it look like to not negate their experiences but understand how does this fit in the grand puzzle of life of like a viewpoint that i've not seen or experienced mm-hmm. um, and how can we blend all those things together to understand that like we all have a different part of the picture essentially not that like the pictures are completely different worlds but we all have a different puzzle piece and that's it shaped influenced like how we see things in our perspectives so as far as I mean your original question as a culture like what needs to happen what do we need to do I think that we need to work on humbling ourselves to listen well yeah and humbling ourselves to assess what we have truly not through um rose-colored glasses of what do I have but like truly assessing what kind of privilege do I have and then what can I do to serve others with it Mm. yeah that's really good yeah, I would say culture, I think, would shift a lot if people did their own research through mm-hmm. resources that are, have been provided for a long time before they rely solely on people to answer questions. Because I think in a lot of ways, the material is just already there. And so there are things, I think, like, you know, a personal experience, that kind of stuff, you, that's different, like asking someone. But uh, I would just tell people, like, don't rely on white people in culture. Again, like Tega said, not all, but mm-hmm. um, didn't rely on humans, their friends, or even people that are not their friends, just someone random that they think is their friend that they reach out to to answer their questions. You know, just seek it out for yourself in resources that are already there. There's a lot of books. There's a lot of movies. There's a lot of podcasts mm-hmm. uh, that are really good. And I honestly think some of the best things you can do is if you do have friends that are in your circle, ask like, hey, I found this material. Is it, would you recommend, like, do you know about this one? Because I wouldn't assume that every black person knows about every single book, podcast, and movie that's ever been 
made and just do things like that. I don't know, Tiga, do you agree, disagree, have anything to add? <laughs> I think that's solid. I think you know one not assuming that every black person or person of color in your life has is the library like yeah i, I promise you i'm not the library so <laughs> just being able to like and that's something that you can do together as well like that's another thing of like if you see a documentary or a book or something or something that you want to learn about like feel free to like ask like that that's all about going back to like the question we talked about earlier about like your circle like you should feel safe in your circle you should feel safe enough with like your friends if you guys like have established a relationship um to be able to have those conversations and say like hey like i just found this resource what do you think about it blah 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 and like have discussions like that should be a safe space for you to do those things and so yeah i completely agree here yeah yeah yeah, and so to wrap this up, I I really want to ask this question, and it's strictly for the listener who, you know, they want to do better, and they don't really know where to go, they don't know what to do, and Tega, this is more pointed towards you, but yeah. also, Hannah, I think that you would have a really good outlook on this also. What do you need to see or feel from someone like me or someone like Hannah to feel like we're getting to a better place, we're striving to grow, and we're striving to do better? Yeah. So I would say, first off, what one doesn't want to see is something that is performative. Mm. You are doing X, Y, and Z actions in order to alleviate tensions in your own head and heart or to make things seem a a certain way because at the end of the day that is performative and a performance always ends there's always a closing um i would say that it has to first be a heart check of when you see racism and racism is covert and overt and and by me saying that that is Racism does not just appear in someone saying, I did X racist racist action. It can yes. be microaggressions. It can be in the form of tiny statements, jokes, all of those things fuel racism. And so it is taking the moment to assess when I see racism, am I distraught? Am I disgusted? Am I hurt? And if it doesn't bother you that much, that's the first issue. Mm. You can't care to do something if something doesn't bother you. It's just like if a house is dirty, if you're content with the house being dirty, if someone told you to clean it, wouldn't it wouldn't bother you that much because you're like, I'm fine with how things are right now. Mm. But if you see a dirty house and you are deeply disturbed by it because you know what cleanliness is and looks like and how good it is for you, as soon as you see something dirty, you're quick to action. Why? Because you know what things should look like. Yeah. And so you're moved to do something. That's and good. so I would say first to assess your heart for anyone listening of, am I disgusted by this? Am I repulsed by this? And if not, then I need to start understanding and digging and seeing things. I might need to 
remove the dust off of a certain trunk and start opening this up and digging into the history of this country, digging into the experiences of real people and digging into things so that my heart can understand that when an injustice happens, it is based off of a foundation of a country that like was hurtful from the beginning. There was no perfect United States of America from the top. Yeah. It didn't start off perfect and then start dissolving into something bad. This is this is the fruit of a bad root. Yeah. And yes. so I think we start there and sitting and assessing that. And from there, the natural heart posture should follow. Mm. So I, I can't give you a certain answer or so of like this is i need to see you like being nicer to people of color or blah 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 like it, it, it doesn't necessarily work like that i think that your heart will naturally know what to do when if you i mean if you believe in jesus when you lean on the holy spirit to reveal the things of your heart you will naturally want to clean up shop mm-hmm. why because you know what cleanliness looks like and so I would just urge anyone listening to sit and assess, are you deeply grieved by the things that are going on in the world right now? Mm. And if you are, are you so grieved that you're led to action? Mm. That's really good. That's, that's incredible. That's exactly what I was looking for. Hannah, you got anything to add to that? Or you think that she just dropped the mic right there? Uh, no, I have a few things to add more from the perspective of what I know. I'm not excused from this either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, just in the past few years, have seen people do a lot, whether it's because they've said these things to me, not knowing my position on them, or I've seen them said to others through media, whatever. I would say not treating... Um, black people or anyone like they're kind of like giving them like a pity party uh, in a way of like let me tell you about your life or like tell me about your life like type thing in a way that's almost demeaning and derogatory and I say that because I've seen it done before in a lot of ways that people don't realize they're doing it of where kind of what Tego's saying but I'll say in a little different way of you approach it in a way that's more so to appease your own guilt and your own shame for not knowing. And I have seen that time and time and again, like people know, you know, when something is not authentic and something is not genuine and also seeing it where it's kind of a harder to navigate sometimes because I've seen it where people approach conversations and even approach relationships, friendships, whatever it is, with a, I'll use Tegan me as an example. Our experiences are different because we are individuals. You know, first we're individuals yeah. in God's image. But then beyond that, you know, I'm a white female in America and she's a black female in America. Mm-hmm. And then there's other layers beyond that as well. But I do think a lot of people especially emphasize that to the point where it's like she's almost like a foreign object. Like mm. she's not, like they're not even like, it's not even a human experience anymore. And I don't know, Tiggy, you could probably help me with what I'm trying to say, but almost like, it's like amplified where it's like, wow, like that's crazy. Like it's, um, it's like a, it's almost like being someone. They're what? 
I was saying like it I feel like your example is like on the verge of like just seeing like a something in a museum like oh man yes. like that's like, oh, like something to explore like, yes like it's more like a fascination rather than someone you're not actually like grieving with the person I think just acknowledging that not making it that dramatized conversation where it's just like hey like you I hear Sega say something and it's just hey like tell me more about that like what was that like mm-hmm. or she says something and I'm like wow hey like I'd, I'd love to hear about that whenever you want to talk about it yeah and not making it like this weird like fascinating conversation but it's just like no that, like that's her life story but mm-hmm. in that I don't want that to sound like I'm downplaying the experience because there is a lot in any black person in America's experience that is deeply grieving in ways that mine is not. Yeah. But so I think it's like kind of praying in a way for that balance of like giving grieving where grieving is due and mourning, just like the Bible speaks of emotionally pain is pain and like suffering is suffering. The route that it is brought about is very different. The one thing if Tiga is warning something, I know what grief and sadness and mourning is like. And so that is how I'm able to sit with her in that, even though I may not be able to understand exactly what she's dealing with. Mm-hmm. But I can still sit with her in it because I know in my own way what mourning or grief feels like. And so yeah. I think that's where a lot of people run away from those conversations because they're like, well, there's no way that I can even like, because I can't understand, there's no way that I can even touch you with a 10 foot pole type thing. And it's like, mm-hmm. that's not true. Human emotion is we still, the emotion is still the same, but the route that it was given is different. Yeah. So I think when you acknowledge that, like, hey, I can't understand what you're going through, but I do know what loss feels like, or I know what grief feels like. And I can talk with you about that, or maybe not even talk half the time you don't need to but i can listen if you want me to yeah we've been talking a lot about you know your circle and uh, putting the right people in your circle by no means does that mean just you need two people two black people in your circle no matter what they're like or no matter what they do you need you need so and so in your circle so that you can relate to them and so that you can do those things you know don't don't allow it to be a token allow it to be something that helps you grow yeah. And, let oh. me uh, throw on and tack on that all this all through this conversation yeah. i like want to remind the listener that like anything that i'm saying is stuff that i am still working on oh yeah that for as a sure. black woman i never want to hit a point or be perceived as someone who has arrived and is now throwing advice at the commonwealth that mm-hmm. is not happening because honey i'm the commonwealth too so all that to say like assume or walk with the posture that like the people that you encounter, whether they're a person of color or not, we're all growing in all of these areas. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's something that I I really want to emphasize. For sure. And that's something with every podcast that we do on here. Uh, No person that comes on here is going to know everything about a certain topic. And uh, that's why I really want these conversations to be the conversation starter for you. And the thing that pushes you to keep growing or helps you learn in an area that you wouldn't normally get an opportunity to. Just to be a resource for this generation so that we can spark a movement where we do help people feel like they're loved and needed. 
and that we can switch around this culture and bring it to a more positive place and bring it to where everyone can feel accepted and feel the love that God truly wants them to feel and show them that they are God's true masterpiece. And uh, if there's nothing else that either of y'all want to add on to that, I think we've pretty much covered it pretty well, and I'll wrap it up. Yeah, that's it. All right, awesome. You already know you can reach out to me with anything. If you ever need to, you can DM Vision Ministries, and we will answer any questions, or you can hit us with topics that you want us to talk on. So first, I want to say thank you so much for listening, and I also want to add on to that by saying thank you to Tega and Hannah for being on here and being willing to be a voice and to help further this growth. Also, I want to say that I hope we helped you grow in some way as the listener or the viewer and gave you a chance and a new way to look at this and a new way to make yourself better and strengthen your relationship with the people around you and also help bring this culture to a better place. So with that being said, uh, thank you so much for watching, and we'll see you in two weeks. God bless.